So what I want to talk to you all here for a few moments today is what to expect from a good God. What to expect from a good God. We, I grew up in church. I'm second generation Pentecostal apostolic. My mom was uh, saved at this church when I was about one, I believe. She came here when she was pregnant, but she didn't have the uh, apostolic experience for herself until I was about one. But I've grown up in this church, and I remember singing songs about God's goodness, and I remember uh, singing songs about uh, how God is good and how God does uh, good things, how he does great things. I remember the old school one that's, uh, uh, now I'm going to forget it. Oh, he has done great things. Y'all know what I'm talking where's, where's the old school people at? I don't know. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy. And it just goes around. It's a great song. And I remember hearing these songs about what God did and about about the goodness that he provided and the greatness that he provided. But it always stood out to me that he is good. I remember something else that I would hear quite often was a phrase, and I think Brother Hurt even quoted it, and there's different versions of it, but the one I remember hearing was, uh, God is good, and then they would shout, and they shout it all the time, and he'd say, all the time. We'd hear this growing up, all this, that's what I've heard my entire life is about the goodness of God, but there came a point when you when my, my faith and my, what I believed had to go beyond just what I know. I know God is good. I know the word of God says that he is good. But I had to learn for myself what, what is his goodness. What does it feel like? What does it taste like? And I had to match my belief to that. I had to act on that and believe that he is good and allow his goodness to impact my life wherever I was. And the very being that, that is God, the very essence of God is good. Not only uh, is, is, is goodness what he does, but goodness is simply who he is. A few verses, uh, just a quote real quick. You don't have to follow on the screen because I'm going to be shooting them quick. Uh, Psalms 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nahum 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good. Psalms 31 verse 19 says, How great is your goodness. Psalms 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Romans 8 verse 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good in those to those who love God. Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 says, God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Everything that God does is from goodness. Everything that he is, is from his goodness. Everything he touches, everything he creates, everything that pours out of him that he pours out onto others is from his goodness. You can't get bad results from that. Because what does it say in Matthew? It says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but of corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. You can't get good from bad. You can't get bad from good. You get good from good and bad from bad. I know this is basic mathematics, but I'm just making sure you're following. So if we have got a good God, he doesn't do good. I mean, he does, but he's, he is a good God. That's who he is. So if you've got a good God pouring out of himself, everything that's coming out is good. You can't get good from bad. You can't get bad from good. So if that is who he is, then everything that comes out of him is good. Since the very beginning of time, we are shown evidence of the goodness of God. Going all the way back to creation. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And you go through that entire chapter. And it talks about 
him creating the world. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Bible, brief Bible study, it goes, goes through that first chapter. It's what people call creation week. And the first day, it's light and darkness. The second day, he, he's, he has the, the sky. He creates the firmament and the, the waters. And then he brings up land. And then he has the stars and the sun and the moon. And then he goes into bringing uh, birds into the sky and fish into the sea. And then mammals and man, he puts on land. And he goes throughout creation week. But all throughout this chapter, and at the very end of it, he summarizes it all again with a statement of God saw that it was good. Why? Because God began to do things. And when God's about something, it's going to come from him, which means it's going to be good. Everything that he does, everything that he produces, everything that he creates comes from a place of his goodness. So the question might be coming up to your mind if, if uh, everything that God creates and uh, everything that God does is, is good, how come there's bad in the world? Because there's Satan. This is true. But... <laughs> Why is there why is there bad in the world? If everything that God does is good, then how did how did this bad come about? Why are there bad things? Why are there bad people? And to answer this, we first have to look at what what is good. Y'all are either going to be in love with the word good or tired of it by the time I'm done, but I'm going to make sure it's embedded in your head. No one's going to be asking, "What did Jalen preach on?" <laughs> You're going to know. It was the goodness of God because he said good about 472 times. But my point is why we have to figure out what is good is the problem is, is as, you, as you go through life, goodness, especially nowadays, goodness has become defined by a person's morality, defined by a person's perspective, defined by a person's experiences, by a person's uh, uh, character. Because, I mean, let's, let's take an example. Let's take, uh, let's, let's, take, uh, let's take drugs, okay? To a drug dealer, are drugs good or bad? They're good because that's where he gets his income. That's where his money's coming from. But to a police officer, are drugs good or bad? Bad because it's his job to take them. You have these things in life where people say that something's good and another person says, I'm not a political person. I will not talk politics, but let's just be right and left real quick. Republicans say that X, Y, and Z is good, that this is good, that you should act this way, talk this way, feel this way. You should have this social stance. Democrats say the exact opposite almost. Why? But are the Democrats saying this is right and this is wrong and the, the Republicans are saying this is right and this is wrong? Yes, because they're basing it on their perspective on what goodness is. To know what truly is good, you've got to go to the origin of good. You've got to go to where good became because in the very beginning, God started to work and God started to do and you saw that it was good. But today we've got a world where people say, this is how I feel, so this is good. This is my opinion, so this is good. To know what truly is and is not good, you've got to go to the origin of good, the person, the origin, the origin of good. You've got to go to the, to the God that is good, the very being that defined what good was, what good is, and what good should always be. So to determine what is good, you've got to go back to the beginning. You've got to go to the word of God and to God because God is good. And in the very beginning in Genesis, we see this first encounter where, where good and evil start to arise. And, and there's now good and evil in the world. And there's now sin. And there's all these things building up. Because Adam and Eve are in the garden. And what happens? They disobey God. For those who don't know, God told them to not do this one thing. They did this one thing. Long story short, now there is goodness and evil in the world. Or should I say there is now knowledge of good and evil. Because Adam and Eve were in this period called innocence. And 
essentially that's that's let's let's look at it this way. Anyone have a toddler or a kid or ever experienced a kid that just uh, an, an infant, a toddler that doesn't know? They don't know right from wrong. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize I'm running around naked and I don't care because they're just like I'm free. They don't know what they're doing. Then everyone's like, Oh my lord, put some clothes on them. And they're like, That's that's the y'all can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> But that's what happens. Am I the only one that's had my cousins act that way when they were kids? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Where the kid, they don't, they don't, they just, they want to run around. They want to be free because that they they don't know any better. Now, if I was, I'm going to, I'm hopefully planning on seeing my mom on Thanksgiving. If I go to have dinner with her and the family, and I come out of my room and all I've got is like my boxers on, there's going to be a problem. She's going to be like, "What's wrong with you? You know you shouldn't be doing that. Get in that room. Have you lost your mind? Put some clothes on. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because that that's not right for me, normal for me, because I know what I should and should not do. A child doesn't know because they have this innocence about them. And this is what happened in the very beginning. And now each and every single one of us, we were born in this world and we have that time period of innocence where we were that child that didn't know right from wrong. But there comes a point in time in which your conscience begins to develop and you start to understand what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. But again, the problem becomes that is, again, based on what you are being told by your family, told by your friends, told by your environment. Because there are people that grow up believing what they are doing or how they feel is good because that's what people told them. There are people that grow up doing and experiencing things that are bad because that's what the people around them told them. Again, to know what is good and what is bad and what is right, you've got to go to the very beginning. Because we have this season where we are good, where we are pure, where we are innocent. But then we reach this point of consciousness where now our good is no longer defined by the, the word of God unless someone's telling us it is, someone's teaching it. It becomes defined by our circumstances, by our experiences. But we've got to go back to the origin of good, to the one that created goodness in the beginning, to the one which outflows nothing but goodness. Because culture... <laughs> let me, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about things that aren't bad necessarily, but let's talk about what, what culture defines as good. Success. Again, everyone agree that, especially in American culture, that success is good. Pleasure, fun, freedom... Money, a nice house, a nice car, nice white picket fence with a little dog running around, the nice belongings, the nice things, the nice perfections, perfect family, perfect kids, perfect house. That's what that's all good, right? <laughs> he said no. <laughs> it's it's good, sure. But my but, but my point with that is when that is the only thing that's defining your goodness, because that's what our culture tells us is good, and they're not necessarily wrong, those are nice. Those are nice things to have. But that's what culture tells us is good. And if you have these things, then you'll have everything you want. And you'll be satisfied and you'll be content because you have those things. So explain to me why there are so many celebrities and so many millionaires and so many people that have arrived, yet they're not satisfied and they're not happy and they're not content. Because turns out what they thought was going to be enough for them to be happy isn't enough what they thought was going to be enough for them to be satisfied isn't enough and so they keep needing more and they keep needing more next thing you know they find themselves depressed and finding themselves alone and finding themselves hurting themselves because they they're not satisfied 
Because what man told them would make them happy couldn't make them happy. What man told them was going to be good enough wasn't good enough. Why? Because they went from man's perspective on what was good instead of going to God's perspective. Because God, I'm not here to talk about prosperity and say that God's going to give you all the things that you want. I am here to tell you, you could be at the bottom, the worst point of your life, but if you've got the goodness of God in your life, it won't make a difference. I'm speaking from experience where I've been on the mountaintops and experienced the valleys. And I had memories, I had memories as a kid where I didn't know where our next meal was coming from. My mom would never tell me. I would never talk to her about it because I knew she did everything she could. But there was a season where money was tight and money was hard and she would literally not eat dinner so that I could. But you know what happened? I also experienced joy in that time. I also experienced goodness in that time. I also didn't leave that time abandoned and forsaken and feeling like God left me behind. Why? Because my mother had instilled in me the goodness of God and said, he loves you. He's with you. You might not like the circumstances. You might not understand the circumstances, but God's got you. And if you've got him and you've got his goodness, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like because he's got you in the palm of his hand and he's watching you and he's guiding your steps and he's giving you an expected end. With the goodness of God, you can, you can find that purpose from your present. That's what I'm talking about. When you've got these problems in your life, these experiences, these trials, these tribulations, these troubles, all those TTTs, you, sorry. Sometimes my brain just shoots it off. I'll say that, and I'm like, I don't know. But, but you have these problems and experiences in your life right now. And what the goodness of God does is he comes and he can give you peace through that. But he can also show you, I'm working something out for your good. I've got experiences right now and experiences from my past when in the moment, I didn't like them. They didn't make sense. They didn't feel comfortable. But I had this this peace about me that said, God's doing something. He's, like the verse said, working it out for my good. And if I know that that is what's to be expected, then no matter what it looks like in the moment, no matter what it feels like in the moment, I can make it through this. I can, I can endure. I can get something because God, all I can expect from God in the end is goodness because he's a good God. And it's not what he does, but it's who he is. The goodness of God can, can, t- can take care of the problems and the fears and the anxieties about your future. You're worried about where you're going, where you're headed. Like I said, when I was younger, my mom probably had moments where she was worried about where the next meal was coming from. But God helped her and can help you and say, I'm taking care of that. Because again, you can have this, this knowledge and this understanding that God's goodness isn't leaving me out in the dry and I might not understand where I'm going now or if I look in the future, I might not know how that's going to happen and how I'm going to get that from that and how that's going to add up. But I can trust that God knows what he's doing and that he, again, is ordering my steps and there is an expected end from, an ex- from a good God. And the goodness of God can also strengthen and strength, give you the strength to make peace from, from your past. Get, get over those problems, get over those hurts, get over those trials and situations and, or mistakes, failures, experiences from your past that have been attached to your life for a lot longer than you'd probably like to admit. And everyone oftentimes is like, oh, yeah, I've dealt with that. Yeah, I thought so too. And then when I get approached about it or someone touches it, I realize, oh, I haven't dealt with that yet. Because there are some things where it's a process, but it's just the reality of I think a lot of times we kind of we deal with something one time or we, or we, we put our expectation on what something should feel like or look like. And if it does or doesn't meet that, our, our preconceived notion of what it's supposed to look like, 
then, then, then we interpret that God hasn't done something or does something. For example, there's a lot of people that look for an emotional experience in a service, and if they don't have it, then God didn't do anything. It's not necessarily the truth. But all, so I'm saying all that to say, you might have had some times when you've experienced that where you've dealt with some stuff from your past, but there are still some unresolved issues. And there might be some of you that have dealt with stuff from your past, and it's over with. But I'm telling you from experience where the things that I have dealt with and I thought I dealt with and I thought I dealt with and I thought I dealt with and I kept going back and I kept revisiting that there was progress being made, but God was still doing a work. But the goodness of God, when you get a hold of this good God, he is the only one that can actually reach back into those past, reach back to those scars, reach back to those moments and give you the peace and give you the wholeness and give you the healing that you've been searching for. And that's what you can expect from a good God. Because like I said, everything that he does and everything that he is, is from a place of his goodness. So whatever it feels like and whatever it looks like, the expected end is for your good. I think the phrase, uh, I don't have it in my notes and I'm trying to remember what it is, is... uh, I, I've, I've heard many people say it. Well, I don't know if it's actually a coined phrase, but I know I've actually heard people say this when they, they're struggling or they're left the church or they've done whatever, and they tell themselves, uh, I've got I've to get good, and then I'm going to get God. I've got to fix some stuff, and then I'm going to get God. I've got to take care of these issues, and then I'm going to come back to church. I'm going to deal with this, and then I'm going to come back home. I'm going to can't, I'm going to get rid of this, I'm going to let go of that, and I'm going to fix this, and then I'm going to come back home. You're not going to be able to fix that. Because, again, you're fixing that from where you're at, from your, from your problems, from your perspectives, from man's definition of fixing things, from man's definition of goodness. In order to get good, we got to go back to where the goodness came from. So you can't get good and then get God. In order to get good, you got to get God in the first place. So why don't we just decide to stop playing around with them and saying, God, let me, let me deal with this. Let me fix this. And finally just die of ourselves and say, God, I can't fix this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. In order for me to get that goodness that you are made of, I've got to go to you and allow you to do what you need to do through me. Because man will tell you that uh, once, uh, once, once this, you're always going to be that. Or, or your father was this, so you're, you're going to be that. Or your mother did this, so you're going to do that. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Or maybe, maybe some of you can identify with that. Let me say it this way. Once a failure, always a failure. Once an accident, always an accident. Once a mess up, always a mess up. Some people don't want to admit that's how they talk to themselves or that's what people have said. But I tell you myself, I have one of the lowest self-confidence you will ever realize. Most people have no idea. Because it's, it's all here. I got it. I'm good. But on the inside, I'm constantly like, yeah, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're not this person. You're not that person. And I'm sitting there trying to, because trying to, because of what I'm telling myself and because of what circumstances and all of that tell you, again, you, you, can't, you can't fix it. You've always been this way. You always messed up. You always did this. Blah, blah, blah. You're not going to be able to change. You're not going to be able to improve. And the reality is they're absolutely right. With man. But with God. All things are possible. In fact, isn't that a verse I believe in Philippians? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
we've got, we've got to get past this point where it, it's. I think I, I think I know it's it's a place of vulnerability, which no one likes to be. There's I think people have kind of mirrored these two, and that's transparency and vulnerability. People think they're the same thing. They're not. You could be transparent with someone, and be completely safe, and not be in any way feel like you're exposed or or in harm's way. But when you're vulnerable, that means someone has some power over you. And that means someone has the ability to do something that you might not like or want to do. And I think we've got to get past this point of being transparent with God because we're always transparent with God. Why? Because he sees everything. He knows everything. But vulnerability requires my will to die and say, I'm going to allow you to reach this point. And so we've got to reach this place with God where we decide to let down our walls and say, God, I'm going to be vulnerable to you and allow you to do what you want in and through my life. Because without you, I can't do it alone. I can't make it on my own. That's what we've been talking about these last few moments is we can't do this on our own. And so many of us feel like we can. If I just do it one more time, I'll make it. If I just try it this way, maybe it'll be a little better. God's saying, no, come to me and let me deal with it. Let me heal you. Let me give you, pour my goodness into you and watch what results you can expect. Because you can't get bad from a good God. But you've got to give him what you've got first. You've got to allow yourself to be consumed by whatever it is he has for you and whoever, whatever it is he wants to pour into you. And you can expect good results, but you have to give yourself to him and allow it. Uh, I want to bring your attention to... uh, a parable. I'm sure you've all read it or heard it at some point in time. But I was uh, praying not too long ago and felt the Lord gave me a rather unique revelation or perspective of this story. And that's uh, about the sower in in, uh, Matthew chapter 13, starting at uh, verse 3. I'll read a few so you can put these on the screen. (laughs) In Matthew chapter 13, starting... Verse 3, it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is a, a parable about a sower, and he's, he's sowing seed. Shocker, I know. A sower who's sowing seed, that's unheard of. <laughs> Y'all can laugh, it's all right. Um, unless it just wasn't funny, then, you know, don't laugh, it's fine. <laughs> But and, he, and there's four four places that he sows seed. The road, which is the wayside, it's essentially just a road. And the birds came and they ate the seed because it was a hard surface and the seed couldn't even reach the soil because of the surface that was over it. And then there was the rocky ground where the plants, they could grow quickly, but they died because they weren't able to get deep enough roots down to where they would thrive in the heat because of the stones and because of the rocks and the hard objects that were in the soil. And then there was the thorny ground, and some translations use that word as weeded, weeded ground, weeded area, where the plants grew, but the problem was there was weeds and thorns surrounding them, so they would eventually get choked out as they began to grow with the weeds, and again, the good seed couldn't grow. 
and produce its fruit like it was meant to. And then lastly, of course, the good ground, which everyone knows about. That's the seed that was the ground that was good, and the seed was able to grow without a problem. And there was 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold because that was good ground. Now, I've heard this, this parable, this story used to explain a lot of things. Obviously, it's talking about you as an individual. Take heed how you hear because that's what Jesus, is, Jesus said at the end of it was take heed how you hear. Make sure you're that good ground, that you're not having seed fall over here and fall over there and fall over there. But I've also heard other people talk about it from the perspective of, uh, sowing seed in the sense of like maybe door knocking or outreach or evangelism or reaching the lost. And I've even heard some people make statements such as like one in every four, that's basically your statistics. You got one in four chance of reaching somebody because some of them are going to be hard ground, some of them are going to be rocky ground, some of them are going to be weedy ground, and then there's going to be that good ground, and you get that good ground and you just hold on to them. But for those that aren't good ground, there's, there's not much hope. They must not know a good God. Because I don't know a God that doesn't know how to reach down in someone's heart, reach down in someone's spirit and change how they feel, change how they think, change how they are. Now, I'm not saying, well, let's, let's, let's look at it this way. Let's, uh, let's, do, uh, hmm. let's, let's, do, an, let's do an analogy. Do we, have any, do we have any gardeners in here? Anyone a gardener? Whether that's plants, flowers, fruit, vegetables, trees, whatever. Raise your hand if you are a gardener. Cool. Okay, we got a few in here. Yeah, my family's my family's gardeners. Well, my my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother. My mom, she she's probably watching. Love you, mom. She like she's selective. Like she likes to garden, but sometimes she she doesn't. And so like she'll start, and then she's like, all right, I'm good for now, and then she'll come back next season. But my aunt and grandmother, they are like diehard gardeners. Like they know what they're doing, what they're planting, how they're planting, what they're expecting to get from it. My grandmother, I've watched her in multiple houses take like this just very basic yard and make it into like something you've seen from a movie. Like some like safari looking prehistoric plants everywhere growing. I thought this one ate an animal at one point, like crazy stuff. And like they, 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 like they'll be out. We have get together for holidays, and they'll be my aunt and grandmother walk around the, the house, and they're just like, "Oh, the yard." And they're like, "Oh yeah, that's the Resupolis recalopatosis." And I'm like, "The what?" And they go over, and they're like, "Oh, and that's the our harmacidial calamitosis." And I'm like, "Oh, you got the Holy Ghost? Praise God! Raise your hands!" So they, they love, they love their plants and their gardening, and they're great at it. They can, they can, they got greener thumbs, and so, I don't know something with a green thumb. But but they love gardening. That was a side story. I don't know why I even said any of that, but here we go. Uh, anyway, so those gardeners, sorry, one more time, raise your hand. We're going to do a little, uh, little we're going we're gonna to make a garden. You're a gardener. You garden, you garden, you garden. Okay, so let's use you real quick. What's your name? Bert. Hi, Bert. I'm Jalen. Nice to meet you. So you're a gardener. Okay, so let's say we're going we're gonna to make it, we're going to plant a garden, all right? Uh, let's say, oh, so you decide. What do you want to plant? Pick anything. Corn. We're going to plant. All right, we're going to plant some corn. Okay, so we're actually going to do it right here at the church. You have a couple of options. We're going to plant this corn. There's some ground out there that's already got the soil. It's already set. It's already good. It's already turned up, turned over. It's all ready to rock and roll. We've got another section. It's got some weeds and some, some thorns and stuff in there. We're going to have to deal with that, but, I mean, it's, it's there. Uh, we also have, uh, there's another area where the soil looks good, but there's a bunch of, like, debris and stuff in it, so we might have to dig that out. Or, here's a really cool selection, we can go right in the parking lot, or like that pavement side on the side, and we can plant some there. Where do you want to plant your corn? It's already tilled up. That is a great, great, uh, great response. That's what I would do. Okay, so we're going to plant your corn there. Who else is a gardener? Someone? Someone? 
<laughs> you don't want to talk? <laughs> She's like, I'm a gardener, but you're going to make me say something, so I'm not a gardener anymore. <laughs> do you have your hand up? Okay. Where do you, where do you, uh, where do you want to plant? You want to plant pumpkins. All right, we're going to plant pumpkins. So where do you want to plant the pumpkins? Oh, for, first, sorry. He already took the good ground. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. He had first dibs. He planted the corn and the good ground. It's doing great, though. Looks really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, so you got to pick somewhere else. So, so like, the, the rocky ground or the, the weeded ground? You're going to plant in the weeded ground? No, but I'm, I mean, no, seriously, it's fine. Like, so how, because from, from what I understand, at least from what people have told me from, like, especially with this parable, like, you can't plant in the weeded ground. How are you going to, how are you going to, huh? You're going to, no, stick to what you want. Don't, 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 don't follow me. Stick what you're going. You see, we're on the right track. You're fine. Don't change. You're doing the weeded ground. Why? What are you going to do? You can take the weeds out? She said if she's going to take the weeds out and if she can't, she's going to Google. So what you're saying is there's weeded ground, but you were going to pluck the weeds out. So you're saying that there is potential in, in that weeded ground. It just requires a good gardener to come in and say, let me pull this out. Let me take that out. Let me remove that. Let's go to the rocky ground. You're saying there's potential for the rocky ground. It just takes a good gardener to reach down and say, let's dig these rocks out. Let's get this debris out. Let's prep this ground to make it good. So in other words, there is hope for all souls. There is hope for all people with all types of past, all types of problems. It just takes a good God to reach down and say, let me take that. Give me that. You've got this problem. I can deal with that. You've got this hurt. I can heal that. You've got this issue. I can fix that. But you've got to let him reach down and do what it is he wants to do in and through your life. Because we serve a good God who knows how to take any type of ground, any type of problem, any type of situation and work it out for good. But you've got to let them. You've got to open up yourself. You've got to make yourself available. Because our God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to just have his way. He's going to say, all right, I I can do this for you. I can do this through your sister, Kimberly. You can come. But you've got to let them. You've got to open up yourself. You've got to make yourself available. What can you expect from a good God? The choice is up to you. Because he is good. Everything that he does is for your good. Everything that he is, is to produce good, to create good, to be about good. Because again, with man, I can do good things. I can make good choices. I made good choices growing up. I also made bad ones. Mom, shout out to you again. I remember growing up, I uh, would go to a friend's house. And... uh, I was always like working hard and making sure people liked me. So I'd go to the friend's house and I'd suck up to the parents so bad. I'd be like helping with the dishes and doing everything that I could to just, to just, uh, to help and to, to do whatever. I, I was just making myself available. And, um, they were always like, oh yeah, Jalen's so helpful, Jalen's so helpful. Finally, they snitched on me and told my mom and dropped me off. And like, yeah, Jalen's always so helpful. You have such a nice son. He's much be great at home, blah, 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 blah. My mom's like, oh, yeah, he's great. Get in the car. She's like, oh, uh-huh. We're doing their dishes. Can't do ours, can you? I was a good son for most of the part, but I am human. 
And so I would make good choices, but I also made bad. I would do good things and I also would do bad because I in and of myself am not good. The scripture says there's none good, no, not one, but the Father, but our heavenly Father, but the Lord of lords and the King of kings, he is good. He's not like me. He's not like you where he does good occasionally and does bad as well. Everything that he does because it's who he is. He doesn't know how to do anything other. Again, our situations might not look like it. They might not feel like it. We might not understand it because we're living it in the moment. But it's good. Pastors use the story about how, I think it was Brother Alders was, uh, is he here? Oh, no, he's probably doing something for the ushers but he was trimming the bushes and it was out front and he like cut them really short you know like what are you doing you killed the bushes no he had to prune and had to cut back so that way they could thrive again in the future and that's sometimes what it feels like for us we're in life and god's got to cut some things back he's got to take some things off and in that moment we don't understand what's going on we don't like it we don't we feel exposed we feel like we're missing something we feel we feel uh like we're just not gonna make it But God's like, just trust me because I know what I'm doing because I'm working it out for your good because that's who I am. I don't know how to do anything else but work it out for your good. I don't know how to do anything else but give you an expected end. That is good. But again, it's it's, it's based on his definition of good for your life. It's based on his perspective of good for your life. Not ours, not man's, not this world's, but God's. There are some people here today that know exactly what I'm talking about when I say you've got these past issues and these past things that you've, you've got to deal with. And the best way to know if something's, if something's healed, hey, maybe I got burned just for this moment. I, I was, I long, I'm not going to tell the story, but I got burned a little while ago. I was just, it was my fault, but I got burned bad. And uh, my arms basically healed and my ankles aren't. Don't ask how my ankles, my ankles are burned and Marissa's burned. It's a weird story, but they are. My ankles are still healing, but my wrist is pretty good. My point is, earlier when it was healing, like if anyone touched it, it was going to hurt. It was going to, it was going to, I was like, hey, yeah, get off of that, that burns. But now it's like I can flick it and it's not a problem. Why? Because it's healed. So my point is, a, a great way to know if you've really dealt with that issue from your past, let someone touch it. Let someone bring up so-and-so from your life. Let someone bring up a memory from that bad experience and then see how you feel about it. Because there's going to be a point in time when someone might touch and you're like, ah, that hurts a little bit. Then it's probably not healed all the way. So as you begin to think about your, your life and your past, think about those things, think about those things that you've experienced, those things that have happened. And if it hurts a little bit, it's probably still got some healing. But that doesn't mean it's, you haven't made any progress. It doesn't mean there's no hope. It just means you've got to continue to give it to a good God. Because another thing with that weeded ground, you can use that. But guess what? No one plants weeds. No one plans, plans on weeds growing up in their yard. They're not like, oh, I'm going to get me some good weed this season. Wow, that sounded really bad. <laughs> weeds, weeds, weeds this season. There's no way to say that good. Oh, well, it happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There is, there's. No one plans on that happening, but it happens. But the gardener has to come and then take it back out. They've got to come and clean it back up. They've got to come and and dig those weeds and those roots back out. And that's what we've got to do with God. 
We don't have to say, all right, nothing, nothing, nothing's happened because obviously these issues are still springing up and these problems are still happening. No, he's dealt with them, but he's got to deal with them again. And he's got to keep dealing with them and keep tending to them until ultimately you reach this point where God's got you where he wants you and you're who you're supposed to be and who you're called to be and doing what you're called to do and going where you're called to go. But it takes a moment of, again, vulnerability beyond transparency that says, God, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is what I have to offer. I have these problems. I have these hurts. I have these pains. But if I give them to you, I know that you can work them out for my good. I know that you can heal. I know that you can restore. I know that you can make a way. Can we stand? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a long preacher. I've got, I got a special break after Brother George Hurt, I tell you. But we're going to pray. And again, this is, this is for any and everyone. There is something from today that, that, could, that every single person in here that can, can connect with. And for some of you, like I said, it might be dealing with past problems and saying, God, I need you to heal that in my life. I need to deal with that. I need to let that go. I need to, I need to give it up some more. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And you've got to give those things to God and allow him to do it. It could be something with your present life. You've got problems. You've got worries about work. You've got worries about this country, the election, COVID, whatever the problems are that you're dealing with in your life right now, you can give those things to God and God can help you and God can strengthen you and God can encourage you and God can love you and God can pour his goodness all over you. Not again, not, a, not goodness in the sense of prosperity, but a goodness in the sense of, of contentment with knowing who he is and how he cares for you, how he loves you, how he's not going to leave you, how he's not going to abandon you, how he's not going to forsake you. And for those, maybe there are some here that, that you've never felt the love of God for yourself. You've never experienced the new birth experience. You've never, you don't know what it's like to have the Holy Ghost living inside of you, which is evidenced by speaking in other tongues. You can experience that today too. You can leave here knowing what it feels like to have God literally flowing like a river inside of you. And you can know what it feels like to have his love. These people amening know what I'm talking about because they were like that. There was a moment for them where they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't know what it felt like to have God's love on the inside. But then they had this experience and this encounter with God, and it changed their life forever. I know it's changed mine. And you too can experience that today. It doesn't matter, again, if you've got stuff from your past, from your present, if you're worried about your future, if you've experienced the love of God before or if you never have. God is here right now and he wants to renew and he wants to restore and he wants to pour his goodness out. Not goodness for the sake of prosperity. If he blesses you, praise God. But goodness in the sake of you know he's got you in his hands. You know he's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. He's not abandoning you, but that he's going to take care of you. You might not understand it sometimes. You might not know what's going on sometimes. But he is a good God and he is a loving God and he is a faithful God. He is a good father. He is a loving father. He is a faithful father. Why don't we raise our hands and just pray for a moment. God, we give you ourselves right now, Father. We open up our hearts, God. We open up our spirits to you today, Father. Pour your love, God. Pour your goodness out, Father, that we could know you, Father. We lay down all the walls, God, all the barricades, all the, all the hidden agendas, Father. Right now, God, we make ourselves transparent and vulnerable before you that we could feel your love, God, that we could encounter your presence, that we could encounter your spirit, that we could know what the love of God feels like, that we could know what the goodness of God looks like in our lives. (laughs) 
I don't know where I'd be without your goodness, God. I don't know where I would be without your covering, Father. Without your love flowing from the inside out, God. Your love that's changed me. Your love that's renewed me. Your love that's restored me. You are so good, Father. You are so good, Father. In the name of Jesus, I bind any lie of the enemy right now that would say the way that I've always been is the way that I'm always going to be. That is a lie from the pits of hell. In the name of Jesus, it has no place. In the name of Jesus, because God can restore, God can renew, God can provide, God can make a way out of no way. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, 